Welcome to our Advent Renewal Series. Today we will be reading the chapter entitled, The Rock. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. It's not the right type. Do we have to have your parents over again? Will you please just give me five minutes peace? Why can't Johnny clear the table? I can't believe you're making me play charades. Christmas and grumbling go together almost as surely as Christmas and turkey. Grumbling, of course, is what other people do. What I do is make legitimate observations and justified criticism. And I'm sure that you, dear listener, are the same. Or are we just fooling ourselves? Let's put it to the test. Challenge yourself to make only positive comments this Christmas. Let's call it the Ephesians 4 challenge. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Alongside this, we read, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Keep asking yourself, will what I'm about to say build people up? Will it benefit them? In case we're tempted to think of this as a lighthearted matter, in the middle of these exhortations, Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Unhelpful talk and a bitter attitude grieves God the Holy Spirit. Israel had a grumbling problem. God dramatically rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He led them through the Red Sea to freedom. On the eastern shore, they sang his praises. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed, they sang. But just three days later, they were grumbling against Moses when they couldn't find water. Three days. That was all it took to go from praise to grumbling. To be honest, that's good going compared to me. On Sunday morning, I can be singing God's praises. By Sunday afternoon, I'm in a foul mood and filled with complaints. I might not always cite God on my charge sheet, but I'm not content with the way he's organized my life. What did God do in response to the grumbling of the Israelites? Zap them with a thunderbolt? Abandon them in the desert? No, he graciously provided them with water. And yet, a few days later, the Israelites were at it again. This time they grumbled because they had no food. Obviously, having no food is a problem. No one likes being hungry. But by now, God had an impressive track record of providing for his people. But the people didn't trust God, and so they grumbled. What did God do in response? He graciously provided them with manna from heaven. What happened next? The Israelites grumbled for a third time. They grumbled because they had no water. Again, they didn't trust God, even though manna was still appearing from heaven every morning. Every morning they woke up to this reminder of God's faithfulness. In the first two stories, we're told that God tested the Israelites. But the third time round, they tested God. They put God on trial. What did God do in response? He convened the courtroom. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. 
I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Exodus 17, verses 5 through 6. Try to picture the scene. On the one side are the elders, representing the Israelites. On the other side is God. Obviously, you can't see God, but he's represented by the rock. In the middle is Moses. For the purposes of the exercise, he's the judge. Indeed, he holds in his hand his staff, the staff through which the plague judgments on Egypt were brought. So the staff represents the judgment of the court. All this is played out in front of the people. They're there to witness what happens. What's the verdict going to be? God has faithfully rescued his people from Egypt, led them through the desert, and provided water and bread along the way. The people have moaned and complained, not once, not twice, but three times. They've failed to trust God. It's obvious who's guilty. The outcome of the trial is clear. God will be vindicated and his people will be judged. And then God says to Moses, strike the rock. The staff of judgment falls, but it falls on God instead of on his people. It's an extraordinary moment. I like to imagine a pause with the staff suspended above Moses' head and the people cower in fear as they expect the staff to fall on their representatives. Then Moses' arms start to fall and he crashes the staff down on the opposite side, against the rock, against God. Everyone feels shock and horror and relief all rolled into one. Then water gushes from the rock for the people to drink. God takes the judgment his people deserve and in return, they experience his blessing. Wow. That rock was Christ, says Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. What happened in the desert was a symbol. The whole thing was choreographed as a piece of vivid visual theater for them then and for us now. The reality took place at the cross. As Jesus hung on the cross, the staff of God's judgment came crashing down on Jesus. It was as if God stood as judge, and before him on one side was humanity, guilty and deserving of judgment. On the other side was Jesus, innocent and deserving to be vindicated. For a moment, the staff of God's judgment was suspended as the sky turned black, and then his judgment fell on his son in our place. The baby in the manger came to be the true rock. He came to bear the judgment we deserve. As a result, blessing gushes from Christ to God's people. There will be moments this Christmas when you want to grumble. I can guarantee that not everything will go your way. In those moments, remember Jesus the rock. Think of the blessing that gushes in your direction because he hung on the cross. The circumstances won't magically transform, but whatever is annoying you might suddenly not seem quite so important. Our prayer today is from George Herbert. Thou that hast given so much to me, give one thing more a grateful heart, not thankful when it pleaseth me, as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose pulse may be thy praise. Amen.